Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Carter comes up shooting. Got it! 1.2 seconds to go! Vince Carter, you are amazing! Give it to me! A little baby black! Gabbage out of here! <laughs> number 46 where i'm joined with the usual suspects to my left the cypriot assassin the sport doctor himself greg year what's up t-dot and to my right my former roommate in university javon bigard it's my claim to fame i'm good man how are you good 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 you guys have a fantastic week yeah can i get a quick shout out big up to the jarvis girls varsity team Woo! made the playoffs for the first time today very proud of those girls what round of applause yeah, thank round of you applause, round of applause round and of they stuff, knocked ladies. some girls on their ass which is how they did it so you it's a grown do. woman's game. So you can tell you got to do it, man. Mm-hmm. How are you, Brandon? Under the guidance of Greg. Uh, I'm great, man. I'm great. Um, we're in the midst of the NBA playoffs. Uh, obviously, Boston's up 2-0 against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Ugh. Golden State Warriors are currently up 1-0 against Houston Rockets. Game 2 tonight. Um, we'll get into that a little bit later. But the biggest news of the week, obviously, is mm-hmm. the dismissal of the coach of the year, Dwayne Casey from the Toronto Raptors. Dwayne Casey, after seven years with the organization, was dismissed uh, by Masai Ujiri. Um, a lot of conflicting feelings and opinions regarding Casey's firing. I'll start off with you, Javon. Was it justified firing Casey, or did you like to see him get one more shot at sort of cracking the Cleveland Cavaliers, LeBron James sort of... Uh... Well, you know, when you look at it, let's look back to last season at the end of... Uh, you know, the playoff run that the Raptors had where they got swept by Cleveland. Uh, you know, everybody was calling for Dwayne Casey's head then. How are you going to get swept to them in four games? Second, welcome to losing to Cleveland. Uh, you know, and then Masai Ujiri was like, hey, you know, we just need a culture reset. We need to change the way we play. And so they did that, supposedly. Um, you know, everybody who started complimenting on the Raptors' new ball movement, you know, the passes, the extra passes that they were making compared to the previous season. And, and Dwayne was lauded for all of that, right? And, and he was lauded for all that. And he, you know, obviously he was recognized by his peers by being selected as coach of the year from the peers. Um, and then to go into this playoffs and, you know, see what happened to them against the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers again, you know, being swept, it was like, what actually changed? You know, uh, the Raptors still resorted to the same ISO ball. So it wasn't really a culture reset. And, you know, with all that being said, it's just like, you know, obviously you're incapable of getting the job done to, at this point in time. So, you know, it's been great that, you know, you got us this far, seven great years. Um, but, you know, the NBA is a, it's a, it's a, 
it's a league where it's you know you win you keep your job you lose mm -hmm. you don't and for Dwayne Casey he hasn't been able to get that step ahead so yeah. you know for the Raptors just like hey we need to change a face we need to see if somebody else might be able to get him over the hedge over the edge so Greg, quick question for you. So do you think anyone out there realistically can come in and maximize what we can do on a nightly basis with the current roster itself? You know, because I, I think personally, for me, I thought Dwayne Casey was the type of coach who really you know, even emotionally got the best out of his players on a nightly basis. You know, you look at a small sample size like Flip Saunders when he left Detroit after mm -hmm. you know the, the mm -hmm. reign of domination with the Wallaces and Hamiltons and Billups of the world and how bad that team was the next season. You can even look at guys like um, like Carl for the Denver Nuggets, very yeah. similar, or sorry, the Seattle Sonics, very similar situation. Do you think any coach can come in and improve on what we did this season? Well, it's hard to say. You could bring in a great coach and the team can regress. If it doesn't fit, it doesn't fit. Like, I know you wanted Budenholzer. Uh, he has signed now with Milwaukee, and I'm actually glad he did. If you want an X's and O coach, you can bring up Nick Nurse. They had a guy like that on staff already, yeah, right? Yeah. I think they need a guy like Jerry Stackhouse, uh, who has been in the trenches as a player, who's been a star, who can look DeMar or whoever else is on the team in, in, in the eye, okay, and get at them and get after them on a different level, right? The relationship that Casey had with them was more like a father figure. It's very difficult to get that coach who can combine, you know, the, that X and O's mentality, especially Yo, play calling, but also... Stackhouse will uh, fight a fool, mm -hmm. right? Look him up. Yeah, My only I thing mean, with Buttonholzer, yeah. though, was that he, you know, talked about maximizing effort from his players. He took a pretty mediocre, on-paper Atlanta team and made them a 60-win team. And I think five of the guys went to the actual... I don't know, man. The guys that was a good team. team. They had Corver, they had Millsap, they had Horford. Like, those are good players. Yeah, Millsap right? They had Teague. Like Horford is the reason why Carol, uh, you know, the Celtics are doing what they're doing right now. So yeah, no, look, and and to your, you know, why are we firing Dwayne Casey to bring in a guy who do, who's done even worse against LeBron James? Well, I think it's a point of right? also giving him the respect and the opportunity to come back next year because we see what we've got out of the bench unit so far, yeah. the upside potential, and seeing how what they can transform form into next season and just giving Casey respect to be able to see that through especially nourishing these young talents yeah. and just being able to you know initially invest that time and see it pay out look, toward I, the end right? look but I, okay I obviously don't think this is fair for a number of reasons that I said last week how you know how only in the NBA you can get coach of the year and get a franchise best record and wins show that you can <laughs> adapt as a coach right bring along these young players and get fired yeah. Right? Only it's in the crazy. NBA. Because the NBA is a business. Yeah. Okay? And winning is important as much as it is important for building a fan base. Yeah. No, okay? for sure. That's why they win. They win to put people in the seats and to buy their products. Okay? And and when it comes to Toronto, sorry to cut you off. Yeah. When it comes to Toronto, what puts fans in the seats more than anything else? Winning. Exactly. Yeah. If you're losing, yeah. there's uh -huh. fans aren't coming to games. Yep. Look and, at the Blue and Jays. They reached a certain standard of winning, and I feel like they 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 they've rolled out the same product year in and year out, and kind of dressed it up differently. But the fact is, you had the same guys out there. Yeah. Okay. Now I think that it's unfair to to fire Casey because I don't. I think the team did better than they did last year. I think the players to some right like. The players melted down, clearly, mm -hmm. right? Serge Ibaka didn't show up. He was supposed to be your third star. What if we had won two games? Would he have kept his job while well, they were a bucket away from that? Now, I will say that Casey is is maybe not the best in-game manager. Strategist. Strategist, okay? Honestly, if you want that, go get Jason Kidd. 
That guy is a basketball savant. Yeah. Like he reads the game faster than 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 Mike Budenholzer. I guarantee you that. Right, but I think that like if you're gonna to a fire Casey, you better go and make a splashy move and not just bring in some like old steady Eddie type yeah, coach. Yeah. And the thing is, the Raptors don't change drastically um, from now until next year. Like looking at the books right now, so the majority yeah. of the players are there unless they make like a crazy trade. Right, the only person who's unsigned is Fred Van Fleet. Right, mm-hmm. everybody else is signed going into next year. So I think you know it's not a matter of you know blow this team up. Uh, or get a drastically new coach. I think the pieces that we have are equitable. Like they're good. Mm-hmm. Like they're not bad. And I think they severely underperformed in the playoffs um, under the leadership and guidance of Dwayne Casey. Obviously, yeah. yeah. Um, getting somebody who can have a little bit of continuity from what happened this year and the previous six years of success that they've had. Yeah. Plus something more. Yeah. I think that might be the recipe to get them over the, but the over hump, the hump. So to speak. Yeah, but exactly. that's Jerry. That would be Jerry Stack. Well, Greg's right. And and that's he's what it right. Is. Like I, I like the concept or idea of bringing in Stackhouse. Like a someone in house, but B, you know, again, like yeah. Demar Derozan, the psychological issues of sort of being the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah. Don't tell parent. me you can't play defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I played defense in this league for twenty years. I was a star scorer too. So like, I, I think we need someone to, who's going to chew into a Demar Derozan and a Kyle Lowry because yeah. I, I didn't see Dwayne Casey doing that this year. So I kind of want to go into what you were mm-hmm. talking about before uh, the roster construction ending next. Season with the estimated luxury tax threat, luxury tax. Wow, it's a mouthful. Luxury tax threshold next season based on uh, Sport Track. It's going to be around 123 million dollars. Currently, our next year salary is about 126 million 200,000. That's without resigning Fred Van Vliet. So we're already roughly 3.2 million dollars above the uh, the luxury tax threshold. What do we do with this current roster? Obviously, someone has to go. Uh, we don't want to pay the luxury tax. What do we do? Because we're looking at guys like Kyle Lowry coming in next season, making an additional $2 million. We're also talking about Ibaka making a million more. Valanchina is coming in with $1.5 million more, roughly. You know, you got uh, even Norman Powell going from $1.5 million oh. to $9.4 million. Powell, man. How, they can how- trade Powell. They could trade Powell, Abaka, or Valanciunas. I really hope they don't trade JV unless they get something good back because he's the one. And uh, go just quickly touching on the Casey thing. One thing that always bothered me with Casey is that he never called out Lowry and DeRozan for not for them not giving the ball to JV enough on those roles. Yeah. Well, I yeah. don't think JV is the expendable guy here. I think, like you said, Serge Abaka and Norman Powell are the names that come to mind when it comes to actually kind of getting some salary cap relief. But it has to be is, like a Jamari yeah. Carroll situation again, where, where you we're give a pick or like an asset just to get off. The, and what assets? Do we have left right now? Exactly. So it's hard. And, and, and that's not even factoring in re-signing Fred Van Vliet. Like with the loss of Fred Van Vliet, what does that say with our crunch time unit? You know, yeah, we need yeah, that yeah. guy to really who can efficiently, consistently drain the three-pointer. We have a couple minutes left in the game. What do you guys think is going to happen next year? And the craziest thing is, it's like, is Fred Van Vliet our fourth quarter MVP on the team? A guy who's making like the bare, like the minimum. He's doing what we thought Norman Powell would do this wow. year. Wow. So we gave um, the money to the wrong CJ Miles is another candidate. I mean, he played okay in the playoffs, but he's such he's a very weak like post defender and he's incredibly streaky. He's yeah. not again, like I've seen it all year, man. People did they talk we were ta- baking him up like he was Kyle Corver or something. Like, but he's a good offensive player. But like his his defensive weaknesses really got exposed in the playoffs, man. Yeah. And, and and I don't like how we necessarily use him. Sorry, go on. But he was never a defensive specialist, right? Like no, we, he we was, brought yeah. him in to score the basketball, and you know when but he didn't really—I mean, what you're getting offensively it does, is it really worth it when he gets punished defensively? I think if the main guys are producing and he can stand in the corner, not uh, or 
drawing an attention off those main guys or if the the main guys are you know playing great like and mm. they're attracting a lot of attention and then he's open i think he'd be more successful like that but it just came like in this past postseason demar was inefficient kyle was inefficient at parts and yeah. you know it just seemed like he was trying to step up and i remember in the fourth yeah, game no, like he you know he he, he was like the only he was the guy yeah. who was being like playing like a, a superstar like, like the guy who stepped up in the playoffs so it's true no he he uh, definitely offensively speaking that's true i just have these flashes in my mind of him getting like bullied by kevin love in the post yeah it's no. actually one of the things i know um that that um well i was reading that management was upset about yeah. how casey took so long to make those adjustments yeah remember yeah, yeah. when when because when we took jv out they just punished us in the in the post man everything was at the basket i have a question so if you're doing casey in that situation and you take jvo and they go on like an immediate eight point scoring run do you put jv right back in i would man i would have i would have and like and like I think your ego gets in the way because you're just like fuck. I just made this adjustment, right? But it's yeah. not working. So, but I'm gonna stick to my guns. I'm gonna stick. To- no, fuck it. Put him back in. It's like he's pandering to like what he feels like people want him to do, as opposed to what he actually wants to do. Exactly, or what he should do, or what the game dictates for mm-hmm. him to the do. Worst was when he put in Nagara. <sighs> like, okay, what do you, do? you have Pirtle. You know what he was? Yeah, and you know what he was? He said that one of his assistants told him that he's the best passer from the high post. I hope it wasn't Nick Nurse. Would you do something like a sign-in trade with Fred Van Vliet? Like, let's say we re-sign him to a similar contract and Powell got. Trade him with Serge Ibaka for, like, Blake Griffin or something. If they would take that. I don't know, man. Blake Griffin's going to be making $38 million, I think, next year. So it might be uh, an opportunity for uh, the Pistons to get out of the <laughs> salary cap hell that has Blake Griffin. Uh, at this point, I think anything's on the table, man. I yeah. actually don't. People say trade DeMar. I don't think you trade DeMar. He's the he's the he has well the he's valuable to our team. You know what I mean? It's going to be very and, and difficult dude, to kind of. It's unfair. The expectations that were put on him. It's like the Raptors. Like the getting the first seed was almost a bad thing in that sense. Like like the expectations were so high, and Demar had has overperformed what people thought he could do. Yeah. Right. And and. Uh, again, we needed that third star. We needed the outlet. It was almost unfair to think that he's going to be able to bring well, you 30 question, points though. a so night. I understand DeMar. He's improved obviously so has, much. He has, absolutely. I'm not, I'm not, not, not disputing that. Not disputing that. Obviously, he's still liable as a three-point shooter, but two, even though he's improved dramatically this season mm. as a three-point shooter. I'm, what I'm asking you is, if we trade DeMar DeRozan, is his value hindered? based on the fact that stylistically he can't really slide into a lot of teams' rotations, if that makes sense, because he's more of an ISO... I think a lot of know. teams would like the services of, of, of DeMar DeRozan. Okay? Sorry, is that he... For me, he it's like this is the one guy that actually wanted this to get out. He had yeah. the loyalty and the heart to play here. Mm-hmm. And he's not making an unfair amount of money for what he's giving you. He's giving you good production. He had an awesome season. He had probably like the best season of any Raptor ever. And how quick people are to just be like, oh, trade him, he shit, blah, blah, blah. And look, and again, not to make excuses, the guy is dealing with a lot on a personal level if you look into his family situation. Yeah, yeah. DeMar DeRozan doesn't suffer from depression. DeMar DeRozan has been depressed this year because his parents are like very ill. Yeah, yeah. Right? And he's been shouldering this, like basically the weight of the franchise. And honestly, Sir, there wasn't that thir- they were never going to be uh, uh, able to get to the finals without a third guy and Lowry the, and DeRozan alone they always think, needed help yeah and at the beginning of the year when they signed Norman Powell I think they were ha- they were, they were, they were banking on Norman Powell kind of stepping in that role he could bring in some 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 flash scoring yeah right we just really struggled to score the ball right 
And that affected DeRozan's, like, he started to do things on defense, like, like jump at balls and be out of position. Like, yeah. he was, like, out of his head almost, right? Yeah, yeah. Maybe a coach like Stackhouse, who's really good at, like, the psychological, mental aspect so. of the game, would pay massive dividends for a guy like Norman Powell. Oh, for you sure. You because Norman Powell clearly has the skill set to be a contributing member of the bench, a six-man-of-the-year kind of candidate. For sure. But he just like he's you know he just he's so discouraged every single night. And you know, obviously Casey like Casey you can bless him for who he is, but obviously hasn't been really doing much work with him when it comes to the mental side of it. He right? just benches them. Yeah. <laughs> Tough and, love. And and Brandon, think about what you just said. Uh, Stackhouse has an, a psychological effect on his players. Also, what, what was the the Raptors' main ill in in the, uh, the series against Cleveland? Oh, it's that LeBron psychological factor mm-hmm. thing. Like mm-hmm. they can't get over that psychological hump that LeBron James poses to them. He also knows the guys as well. Like he's been the G League coach for how long? Like he's you know he's and played with Siakam, he's exactly. played with Fred Van Vliet, he's played with DeLon Wright. And to that's me, that. He's that's the that. Front runner. Exactly. And that's that sense of continuity that we need. Plus a new face. That's, That's a, a really good point, good point. actually. No, because really good yeah, point. because like the guys evolved. Our bench mob's a bench mob because of Jerry Stackhouse's coaching. Yeah, he the won G a championship League, right? with them. Think about what Let's he could do with a guy like OG Ananobi. He didn't even touch the G League floor in the first place. Yeah, you know, yeah. OG Ananobi is our is the best kept secret right now in the fucking NBA. Yeah. Like people forget that this guy just coming off a major ACL tear, started for the best team in the East. He played amazing against LeBron. Right? Like we've seen flashes in the Eastern uh, Conference semifinals that you know are really looking. Like a, a a bright spot for us going into next year. He's the best rookie. Like, is, is there an all rookie defensive team? No. If we go back that, and look right? at the, he's we, the he's the best rookie. If we defender go back and look at the top five of the draft last year, there's only one guy who would take over Angel, OG Ananobi, and that's Jason Tatum. I'm not taking Markel Fultz. I'm not taking <laughs> yeah. Jerron Fox. I'm not taking Jonathan Isaac. Like, I'm that's not taking real, anyone. Uh, in the Josh top Jackson. Five. Josh Jackson either. No, I'm not taking them. I'm these not taking re- Josh Jackson over OG Ananobi. These are really no. I mean, Josh Jackson's jumper is broken, and he was taken at what fourth overall by the Lonzo Ball. Yeah, they just have a horrible draft record. Horrible. All right, guys, we'll be back in one moment discussing the uh, the mock draft. We'll do a top ten quickly. Are we going to talk about um, uh, the Western and Eastern? We will. We'll finish there. the podcast yeah. in the third and fourth quarter, talk about the East and West. We'll be back in a second talking about the lottery yesterday. Uh, again, this is music by Makimoto, big friend of the podcast. Thank you so much for the tunes. So obviously last night, the um, I guess the pinballs drop. We kind of have an understanding of how the top ten, top fifteen is going to go. Um, so we'll start it off with the Phoenix Suns, who uh, have the number one selection in the draft. Uh, there's multiple guys pining for the number one spot. There isn't a consensus lock number one. Guys like Marvin Bagley, Jaron Jackson Jr., DeAndre Aiden, and obviously Luka Doncic are the guys that kind of come to mind when you think of the number one guy for the. You know, Phoenix Suns, what is their biggest hole, personally? Like, what do you guys think of? Like, what does the Phoenix Suns need to do coming into next season? Like, who do they, what position do they need to fill? I'm doing a terrible job explaining this. <laughs> I, I, I what's, got, what's their greatest need? Yeah, I think because um, they drafted a young, a couple young centers there, right? They and none of them panned out. Marquise Chris or Dragon Bander, and that was a couple, but, two, but three years you, ago. But I'm just saying from a team-building perspective. I'm looking Doncic need. all the way. Like, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, I think yeah. they actually need a, a a good guard, a good passing guard. Like I see him as like to on pair ball with 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 Devin Booker. On oh, ball, so like Paul what's, George. What's, what's happening ball. in Utah right now with uh, the oh. rookie and uh, yeah? Sorry, on ball, Paul George, off ball, Joe Ingles. That's why I see it of Luka Doncic. You know, again, we mentioned kind of in the break that he's probably not the most athletic guy in the draft. 
But when it comes to facilitating the pick and roll, being the primary skill, ball handler, skill. being a playmaker, have, having a lockdown sh- jump shot, being a competent defender, all the facets you want out of a player immediately off the bat is in Luka Doncic. Again, he's been playing with adults since he was like 15. He's a phenom. You know, the guy it's knows phenom. how to play with adults. He knows how to play the professional game. He can handle the physical rigors of playing in the NBA. Mm-hmm. He's as ready-made prospect that you can possibly get at the draft. I think the Phoenix Suns need to go with Luka Doncic. Yeah, I think the issue is, I mean, when you pass on a player like Aiden, when you look, he's a, he's a man child. Yeah, he's a he's he's made out of the mold of 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 a Dwight Howard or a Shaquille O'Neal. Like mm-hmm. he's physically, like I you know I know small ball is king and three pointers. Fuck it, man. The net is ten feet tall. Well, he's also if you have someone that 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 big. It helps. Well, he's also <laughs> a lockdown three point shooter as well. Lockdown Ooh. three point shooter. DeAndre Aiden can handle the ball. What do you mean? He that guy has a three point shot. He's a potential forty percent three point shooter. In the Fuck NBA. off. Yeah, I'll believe that when I see it. Well, he's done it. I uh, actually, I, his I didn't watch career. him in Arizona. I think uh, his I only fault seen... was that he lacked uh, any. Well, the biggest issue with John Jay Aiden, you see it in the tournament game, was that he and and this is a whole thing his mo in the entire season was that he does not show any sense of urgency on the defensive side of the ball. He brings all the energy offensively, but mm. especially in the tournament game, he did not look like he gave a flying fuck about the other side of basketball. Okay, and that's the biggest issue with him. He has a physical size, a physical mold to be a like a great defensive player, a great low post guy. But we see it of Andrew Wiggins. Can't guy that like base, guy based on his size and based on his length could potentially be a lockdown defender, but if he doesn't want to be a good defender, he's not going to be a great defender. Well, what, what do we say about Ibaka though? Right, like he has all the tools, all the capabilities to be that guy, and somebody needs to light a lighter under his ass yeah, for him to yeah, actually yeah. move. If the, there's no lighter there, the man is just standing out in oblivion, yeah. letting guys go to the basket. But but so. if Aiden thinks that that he's an offense, like. Big men in the NBA can't. There, you have to be defensive anchors. Yes, that's what Valanciunas had to develop into. Yep, yep. It, his offensive game was never the issue. It was always, are you a defensive liability? Yeah. Are and, you quick enough? Yeah, and and not just uh, you know, and also uh, you know, being in the right spot, calling out, you know, like the def- like the offensive, you know, you know, right shoulder, you know, screen coming, like being a communicator in the back. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So. I think for the, uh, if you're going to be a, a center in the NBA, that's kind of alarming. But again, I think he's going to fall a second, man, because Phoenix's new coach is Igor yeah. Kukoskov. We actually yeah. coached Luka Doncic back in Serbia. Mm-hmm. Everything kind of falling together to see Luka yeah. going yeah. number one. No, so let's yeah. say eight and number two. Looking at the Atlanta Hawks, I initially had Marvin Bagley here, but I don't think Bagley and John Collins could coexist in the front court together. So what I think Atlanta really desperately needs is a shooter, someone who can score the ball, and that's Michael Porter Jr. for me. Obviously, he had his issues as season coming off an injury and when he came back from injury he obviously looked like a shell of himself but he's a guy who can play the 3-4 position can guard the perimeter in the low post who's a very high like a high volume shooter an efficient three-point shooter as well and what the Hawks or sorry yeah what the Hawks need is is, is scoring man so what the fucking pass so we're assuming right basket, that Sacramento right? takes then Aiden, Aiden at two. and then we're gonna go and that, I mean the Buddy Heald is there his Bahamas homeboy <laughs> exactly right? yeah, so it, it would make sense um and then yeah, and and Bagley then would 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 fall to Atlanta. Well, that, that makes sense. No, I'm saying Atlanta takes Michael Porter Jr. I'm Sorry, saying before Memphis takes Marvin Bagley because Mar- Memphis does not have like a young you know blooming superstar. Mm-hmm. There's no one mm-hmm. in that team unless you think Delon Brooks looks relatively decent. They have no one in the pipeline to sort of build their organization around. So I think Marvin Bagley is that high upside sort of AU guy that can come in and just hopefully bring a glimmer of hope to the yeah, Memphis you need, Yeah, you need a young guy that you can that you can uh, get the fan base excited about and honestly if you pair like a really good young player with the 
aging core that they have, mm-hmm. they'll be competitive again. Like their record did not. They're one of these teams now that they had injuries, so their record was bad. But they have. We expected them to be in the playoffs this year, right? Yeah. Or some people did. They're that good. So a young player can actually, you know, right, give some juice back into that uh, grindhouse team. Marcus Saul just does not strike me as like a nurturing sort of personality for a young guy coming. <laughs> no, <in>. I know. He <laughs> seems like Memphis a is a, is a great trading partner for us. For the Raptors, man, Chandler Parson, Marcus the right? There's some pieces <laughs> that we can go after. Try to get a Baca there. <laughs> yeah, but Chandler Parson gonna play like 40 games a year. <laughs> I know. But I think he only has one more year left on his contract. Brandon, Brandon, question. What's going on? Any sleepers in this draft? Sleeper? Any, yeah, anybody who uh, you think is going to get drafted late, but it's going to be a, it's going to be an OG Ananobi. I don't like, like I. It's not like late. Like everyone talks about the big three, the point guards. Everyone like throws Trey Young and Colin Sexton up there as like the number one guy. I really like Shea Gildas Alexander. He's six foot six. You know, point guard with six foot ten, six foot eleven, like reach, wingspan. You know, Some decent jump com- shot, great Canadian, playmaker, right? good yep. rebounder, can a good off ball defender. What's he projected um, at? He's gonna be 13, 14 range. I think he should be in the top ten. I think he's better than Sexton or Trey Young. You think um, if they're just American talents getting all hyped up? Yeah. The Americans hype up their talents, man. There's so many. You see this now, right? So many great players all over the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they're starting to get scared, to be honest with you. Yeah. So much international players. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think they've won. You know that USA versus World game um, at every oh, All-Star? They got smoked, man. They got smoked. They haven't won in, like, half a decade. Mm-hmm. Well, even, like, if you look at the international competitions, right? Yeah. Like, the world is, I mean, the world's been competitive, but now it's not just from, like, the like the European countries, like, like you know, the old Yugoslavia or whatever. Yeah. Now, like, you're seeing guys, like, there's going to be two players from the, from the Bahamas that were lottery picks, yeah, right, yeah, in the yeah. NBA. Going to talk about it as well, another guy I really like is Keita Bates-Dio from Ohio State. That's six foot seven, 235-pound small forward. Missed all of last season with an injury, but came in and be, it was, like, the focal point of Ohio State's offense this year. The guy's not the flashiest guy in the world, but he's an efficient three-point shooter. He's not yeah. going to be, like, a lockdown starter by any trust the imagination, but if a team grabs him in the second round, I wouldn't be surprised if he's, like, a fringe starter, like, go-to guy off the bench. Okay. Um, hey, Brandon, so who do you got, then, if you're the Cavaliers at eight? Let's go number five, Mavericks. Number five for Mavericks for me is Jaron Jackson Jr. He's my mm-hmm. favorite guy in the draft. He's not the sexiest guy out there, but it's a two-way guy who can guard three positions, who can efficiently drain the three-point shot, who's a great rim protector. That's me. In my Michigan opinion, State? He's, like he, yeah. In my opinion, he's the best upside defensive player in the NBA in combination with upside and offense. Because you talk about Muhammad Bamba, but it's one side and one yeah. dimensional as a yeah. defender. That I think Jaron Jackson, freak, man, right? But I think Jackson can kind of bring what, like a light version of what Bamba brings defensively. But I also think. He he could potentially be a 20-point scorer as well. So Bumba goes to the Magic? No. I already have a guy like that, I, I right? thought about that for the Magic, and, like, what do the Magic need? Scoring, They have, they have right? Jonathan Isaac. They score, right? you know, and they got guys who kind of fit around. They got, like, Aaron Gordon, you know, like, they do have, like, still Mario Hazania. They have Vucevic. They have guys who can fill a, their, their role, I guess, or play the position, but they don't have a guy they can depend on a nightly basis to score. So I say they say... Terrence take, Ross, baby. We're going to take Trey Young at number six. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's a good pick. Like, doesn't make any sense. Like, they would take Trey Young. They don't have a point guard right now. Obviously, Alfred Payne's out of the Gone, picture, yeah. right? Like, I, they, got they really Augustine. fucked up a Oladipo. They as got well. Augustine. Yeah, but he's you know like he's a turnstile. No, no, no. I know, I know. That's no. what I mean. So that's a really good point. I think Trey Young would or Sexton would work for them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think uh, number seven, I'm going to go with Wendell Carter. I think he's just the best guy available. I think what Chicago needs is skill. Obviously, they have a point guard in Chris Dunn. They have a shooting guard in Zach Levine. You know, they have Larry Cannon as well. I think Wendell Carter is like that big bruiser in the low post who can kind of cover the defensive matchups when Larry Cannon kind of drifts off to the perimeter who as well. Who do they have on the wing? 
They might have a need on the wing for wing players on that team. I, I just I think Wendell Carter is going to be a substantially better basketball player. Like he has but superstar they, but they potential. Have Mark Cannon. Yeah, no, that's what I mean though. Like having Wendell Carter with Laurie Mark Cannon. Like Wendell Carter is a big together, physical no? brute who can play center. Laurie Mark Cannon can, can drift off to the, the perimeter four. because Wendell Carter can yeah. guard. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like the two hundred sixty pound freshman. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. Um, number seven. Laurie. So we got number seven and number eight. Uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. You know Muhammad Bamba up there? I'd like to see them take Mikhail Bridges. It depends if LeBron leaves or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They need a That's LeBron okay. So this is the this is the question. Because if he's gonna leave, I say you draft the best his player available. Pos- or, or yeah, that. Well, Mikhail Bridges position. plays his position, his small right? forward as well. Um Michael Porter might be uh a good option as a replacement. If he's available, take Michael Porter at eight, obviously. But, but if LeBron's there, you don't take him. If, if LeBron stays, they take Muhammad Bamba. If he goes, they take Mikhail Bridges. But what, doesn't he make his decision after the draft? I don't know. That's a weird thing about it. I think you the, know, the like, dra- like free agency or like when p- players decide what they're doing is July 1st. And I think the draft is late June. But like, I mean, what do you think's gonna has happen? To be like a you gentleman's think- agreement there. Like, yeah. like, like if I'm the owner, I'm you know I'm sitting down with LeBron. And, look, just give me the goods. LeBron doesn't care about the owner. He's like, well, no, that, owner. that Dan Gilbert. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I mean. But but that's a problem of his, I guess. Yeah, yeah, you got to yeah. do your. You, that I'm hiring private investigators to like tap his shit. Oh, for sure. To figure out like, okay, where's you know tap his entourage, right? Bribe his entourage. You know, give us the goods. And then if LeBron James finds out, he's like, I'm definitely out. Yeah, fair enough. See, like, <laughs> it's like Bamba has like Rudy Gobert upside, all defensive player of the year type of potential. But Mikhail Bridges, he's one of my favorite guys in the draft. He's like one of like not the most like you know like biggest upside, highest ceiling kind of guy. But he, he's a need. You know what I mean? He's like a Trevor Ariza, Robert Covington, a guy who can dr- shoot the open three or drain the open three. And I think that's the most guard important multiple thing. positions as well. Like fill that need for Cleveland right now. Anybody okay. who plays with LeBron needs to be able to hit the three. Or get an offensive rebound. That's all he needs. He also offensive creates his own re- shot as well. That's why I kind of like him. And there you go, right? So Tristan Thompson's there because he grabs offensive rebounds. Uh, Kevin Love is there because he does both. He shoots the three and he grabs offensive rebounds. Everybody there is just grabbing offensive rebounds or hitting the three for LeBron. Yeah. That's it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You don't really need a point guard. You, oh, no. There's no point guard on, on, <laughs> no. on the Cavs. I don't know, man. Like, I don't understand why Jalen like Brunson Nicole has Bridges. fallen so, like, like he's like a fringe first-round pick. The guy was a national player of the year this year. Like, it's kind of guy who's going to fall the second round. He's going to play 15 years in the NBA Fred as a Van reserve Vliet. guard, but be like an essential piece off the bench. Fred Van Vliet. He, Similar. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I, it's absolutely because, because, my mind. because players are, when you draft into the NBA, you're, you know, it's an elite athletic league, and you're looking for guys like like you. Can, you don't get in the NBA if you have a regular dimension body, mm-hmm. right? Like it, like it's rare. Like Fred Van Vliet, right, is a rarity, um, and he's even an amazing athlete. He's yeah. super fast. Yep. He's strong. Strong as He's hell. quick. Okay, but if you don't have that extra long reach yeah. or just freakish uh, speed and power, yep. like this is a game based so much on athleticism. And you've seen it in the playoffs too with Fred Van Fleet, right? So like he'd drive to the paint and mm-hmm. like he'd have nothing. He'd have to dribble the ball right back up yeah. because well, you know his hit, there against monsters. His element of surprise was done. Yeah. Right? So. yeah. Javon, do you know anything about Justin Jackson on Maryland? He's from East York, Canadian kid. Yeah, yeah. So I actually played against him a, f- uh, a few times three years ago. Um, you know, crazy athletic, uh, tall, high flyer. Um, wasn't the greatest defensively. IQ wasn't the greatest. 
Um, I haven't seen him too much in college. Because he was a lock. He's like a top 20 lock last year, and he came back for a sophomore season. And, like, yeah. he's even – they even discussion him not even being drafted in the first place. That's Wait, crazy. he was a top – you're saying he was a top 20 prospect? Top 20, top 25 prospect last year in most mock drafts, and he decided to come back, and now he's a fringe second-rounder. fell further down. Yeah, yeah, Isn't yeah. that interesting, right? Like, you figure, oh, another year and get your stock up higher. Another year, But maybe it's like, year. no, now they can see your, your flaws more. Exactly. Now you're even seeing Miles more, Bridges. Right? Like, he came back from Michigan State this year. Like, he was a legitimate, like, lock for, like, a top eight last year. And the guy, you know, could fall out of the top 15. Really. And, you know, a lot of these situations with guys coming out of high school, it's like, not coming out of high school to the NBA, but going into college from high school, is like, if you're not put in the best situation for yourself yeah. to showcase your talents and what you can do, like you know it's gonna hurt your stock especially if like you know you have NBA potential so mm -hmm. I think that's what happened with Justin Jackson like the situation that he went to it wasn't the greatest fit for him and this is what happened Greg, what do you think about a prospect like Mitchell Robinson instead of Curiosity? So seven foot one, two hundred twenty-five pound, like kind of had a developed mo as like again like another sort of Muhammad Bamba, Rudy Gobert, uh -huh. like long, lanky, physical guy in the post, like a shot blocker. But he decided not to play basketball this season. Basically, sat out the entire season. Had some sort of conflict with the some program. I can't remember off the top of my head, but he sat out the entire year. He's still a lock for like the top twenty, top twenty-five. Should teams make a gamble on a guy like this after he hasn't been playing college basketball, even basketball for an entire year at the age of 18? Yeah, I mean, like... like, like I, what's a damage of not playing that, basketball for one, like, competitive basketball no, he was for one year from the age of 17 training, like, and but but you see this a lot, like, in the like in the NBA. Uh, they, if you, again, if you are a guy like that, all you got to do is walk in the gym and you'll turn heads. Yeah. Mm, yeah right, because you have these dimensions, right? Like, like, like you exceed... The normal measurements of a human, and like you're able to do things like Nogueira can block shots that like the average NBA player can't do. So it doesn't matter. I mean, obviously it affects his rhythm or whatever, and, and you know. But these guys, man, they're great scouts. If you just run them up and down the gym with some NBA pros, you get a sense but, but of where they're at. Like psychologically, exactly. like, still feeling like the man. Like you left high school, you were the best yeah, player combines. in your team, and you haven't had that come to Jesus moment when you're in college, and, and you're getting dominated some games. Like you're having like a real understanding of what your skill set is and what you need to work on, as opposed to just knowing that you're the man from high school and I haven't played against you know equal competition the entire year yeah but a lot of it is like get them young enough so then you can develop them yeah. you so you're nurturing I mean? the talent like okay I guess. nurture the potential while there still is potential mm -hmm. plenty of paths the other thing I want to talk paths. about is like we saw it in Dario Sarge a guy who went like I think top 10 um, but I think played two, three years overseas in Croatia similar situation in Zana Musa from Bosnia um, like, do you think teams are going to be like more open to the idea, especially if they're like you know in a rebuilding phase, to draft a guy and stash him for a couple of years in Europe, and hopefully it pays dividends, like what are we seeing of Dario Sarge? Yeah, something like that. That's smart. I mean, yeah, the formula has been proven successful, right? Even with JV on the Raptors, he played overseas before we got him. I think he was there for a year, mm -hmm. and then yeah. we got him. So, I mean, you know, the the path to the NBA isn't through the NCAA strictly like it's there but well, there's so much more so much more paths and well now with Connellina Connellisa Rice's um commission that they held yep. there's no more the NBA no more one and dones man the the NCAA is going to have to change like the NCAA's pa grip on 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 this like yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. of this cash cow of of young athletes yep. is is now receding Right? And it's funny that the government had to come in and basically be like, uh -huh, no, this is exploitative. <laughs> like It's crazy. It's yeah, crazy. man. So pretty much guys don't have to, aren't required. Like the NBA and the NCAA can't have a pact that says guys need to go to your league for one year before they can come to my league. Now yeah. it's just like if I want to go there, I can It go sounds there. like the G League is now going to really be opened up. 
and and you're gonna see more guys go that route. And they're you like make the concept of like 16, 17 year old kids being able to play in the G League? Just out of curiosity, I'm just throwing it out there. If they're good enough, like my whole thing and is getting like drafted out of the G League. Like, what I'm trying to get not, at. The, 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 like, like making the G League like a, kind of like a quasi sort of nurturing environment for kids, especially 16, 17. But they do this play. stuff in Europe in the pro leagues. They do it in one. Europe. They do it in baseball. Like I look at baseball, like the amateur signing period for like overseas players. Like they're we signed. Crazy. Vla- and they're allowed we, in the draft. Stuff. We signed Vladimir Guerrero yeah. when he was 16 years old for how many millions of yeah, dollars? Yeah, this is how they do it right? in like, other sports. Do we not care because they're in a different country? So it's like ah, fuck it. Who cares? Like we don't care about their education. We don't care about their well being. We just care that they can hit the fucking ball. I griped on this, okay? Because do you know what the coach? Uh, it was Calipari. You know what he said, huh. right? As to why base, because the argument on baseball does it. He said, "We have a different demographic of kids, and they can't handle." He said, "They can't handle going right into the pro game." Uh, you know what I mean? It's a pretty quasi racist. Yeah, yeah, right yeah. There's undertones of to me. It's undertones of racism. Like it's as if they they um, by going to Kentucky, it'll stabilize your life. Like Fuck which one off. of his Kentucky kids went to? 100% of their classes and got great marks. Like maybe, who was it? Shay Gilgis Alexander went there, right? You could say what you, okay, you're right, you're right. Like John Calipari is kind of like he's a sketchy from character for sure. But like at least he's being honest with his motives. You know what I mean? At least he's being honest. Like you know he's coming no, to the program. Hold on, give me one honest. sec, give me one sec. He's coming to the program for one year. He knows it's not the Valley education. He knows the kids are gonna be there for one single season. That's it, as opposed to Coach, Coach K, who's like talking about the impact of coming but, to Duke for a unique educational experience when all these fucking kids are gonna leave after the first year. No, but he The said, top three recruits next no, year. No, Calipari has, has on record, def- like he defends like the one and done thing based on the fact that, oh, we need to be educating like these poor I'm not supporting kids. it. I'm just saying so at least he's, he's being at least he's being like kind of transparent. At least like I'm yeah. like Coach K, who's can't even like he's such a fucking hip. I sorry, I'm just I hate Duke. That's yeah. not, I'm gonna leave it at that. I mean, it, it's weird. Like there's so much politics. There's so much socioeconomic factors that are involved. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, where do you start? You know, exploitation. That's where I start. Yeah, there you go. Right? right. Like let these kids make money if they want to. Like if it's time for them to, you know, if they have the abilities and they have talents and their services are warranted, pay them what Yo, their services are warranted. And their shitty degrees from their like crappy U.S. colleges aren't worth. Like they could st- like some of these Canadian kids, man, they could stay here and get a better education. Like a, a, a lot of these schools too only provide partial scholarships. Yeah, yeah. Right, and yeah, you know what I mean. Like the situations aren't, aren't always ideal. Yeah. Right, and it's like you might as well just stay at home. Exactly. Gone to school like at a good Canadian university. And got a right? degree. And yeah, and got a better degree. You know what I mean? Well, like if you talk about high school kids, like to be the devil's advocate, I guess in the situation, you know, you get a lot of kids, especially from impressionable communities, let's say. Who have a lot of people around them vulnerable. vulnerable? Who have a lot of people around them? You know, viewing them as a cash cow. Yeah, giving them artificial fake hope or poverty fall- pimping, bro. Poverty and telling them you're sport. you're you're a transcendent talent. You'll go top ten, jump from high school to the NBA because you're our, our community's only opportunity for anyone to make some money. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it, but you have to play on my team, and I'll hook you up. Yeah. I mean, it's scary because, you know, when these kids don't have, like, the proper role models at home or, you know, the father's not there or the mother's not there or the mother's working three jobs and, mm-hmm. you know, you're trying to figure shit out. You know, you have great talent, you know, but then this random guy or this coach is telling you do this and do that. It's like, where do you actually go, right? Like, what's, what's the smartest decision? Like, he got game. Exactly. Yeah, go the thing. It's like, so, take a second cash. You know, and, 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 <laughs> and to be fair to, you know, uh, the coach from uh, Kentucky, it's Calipari. like, Calipari, it's like, 
you know, he's not wrong when he says, like, these kids are from a different demographic. Like, in America, like, they're coming from the gutter. I understand. Right? It's the accessibility of the game as well. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's not like these, you know, like, five, ten thousand dollar fees to play, like, organized But then you gotta look at the like, fucking bigger picture, right? Like, yeah. America is, like, like one yeah. backward society when it comes to, like, you know, the opportunity structures exactly. for poor black males look you can get the stuff. same education for a buck 25 of late fees at the public library <laughs> than you can going to fucking Kentucky for a year yep. okay I'm sorry since the guy sorry, writing a PhD alright guys we'll be back in one second uh, here's some more uh, music from Akimoto Talking about the Eastern Conference playoffs, Boston Celtics currently up two nothing against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, Greg, impressions of the matchup so far? You know, I really hate the Celtics. I hate how you know they they made me even a fan watching them. Right? <laughs> their their hustle, their heart, you know, their togetherness. Brad Stevens with his dreamy eyes. <laughs> God damn it. Um, yeah, it, yo, Mar- Marcus Smart throwing himself all over the court. Oh, it's amazing, right? Like it, it, it really is great. And the Cavaliers just looking at it, you know, like uh, I was, I was, um, I was listening to the broadcast. I think it was Van Gundy who said, or one of the commentators said, he's like, the Cavs roll their eyes more than a couple in a bad marriage, <laughs> right? Like they roll their eyes at each other all the time. Like that, yeah. that's how it is. It's so frustrating as a Raptors fan. They did not that. roll their eyes once against the Raptors. It's so, so. frustrating because I, but we knew that we could do that against them. Like, or that would, the way that Boston's playing them, we have youth, we have athleticism, yeah, yeah, play yeah. fast, play with energy, play with heart and hustle and let your waves of, of, of athletes tire down LeBron. Wasn't Masai saying like the Raptors have the second youngest team in the playoffs? Yeah, we should be right. Yo, but you know the thing about what I noticed, they're attacking LeBron and yeah. Leo Rounds was always saying this on the, on the broadcast. He was right. We, and I, you know, I remember watching the game and like pausing it to look at how DeRozan would see LeBron and like, Put, pass away from him yeah. instead of attacking him the Celtics are running plays at LeBron yeah I was shocked in game two though. I was watching the first half, specifically the first quarter, and like when like LeBron, like every three pointer went in. He did that like stupid like like turn around fade away three, and I'm like, that's it, that's it. LeBron's back, Boston's gone. This is gonna be a five game series, and yet like Celtics did something that no other team within the last four or five years, especially Eastern Conference, was able to do was you know stick to the game plan third fourth quarter, close out the game. I think it's in the last ten years in the Eastern Conference since since 2009, since the last time he lost to Boston. Oh, Heat as well, or let me say the same. Thing with the yeah, yeah, yeah. Like no, right. no team has been able to go up against LeBron 0-2. So, Greg, is Brad Stevens O2. the greatest coach in the NBA <laughs> right now? Can you accept he, defeat? Right now, look, no, I think Dwayne Casey deserves Coach of the Year. I, will, I still think that, but like you, you can't help but uh, admire the way that he's running his program. Look, after timeouts, they make buckets. Yeah, they make quick adjustments. Um, they, they, they. And again, he the one of the hardest things to do, I think, as a coach is like cultivate a culture of like togetherness and sacrifice. Mm-hmm. 
and that's what they do. Like, like they, it, it's it's next man up, right? You lose your top two players, and the players still believe that they can take out the Cleveland Cavaliers. Clearly, they're yeah, up to nothing. But let's right? not forget, they have good players, man. Like, and, and, Dude, that's and what I was saying the last couple you weeks, were saying, man. Oh, and you've been saying Two this, number like, three overall picks. Terry like, Rozier's basically a lottery guy as yeah, well, right? Al yeah. Horford's, you know, a perennial all-star. Yeah. What the fuck yeah. are we talking about? No, like, they, they do have a good team. I think yeah. it's more an indication how great Danny Ainge is as a GM. That guy has this is probably like I was mentioning today, but this is probably the greatest turnaround, like rebuild of an organization we've seen within our lifetime. He like how many built the team in a few months? Well, you got to Javon. You got to think next year they have Sacramento's pick only protected at number one. Oh my goodness! So they could get R.J. Barrett if he drops a second. They can get Cam Reddish, get Zion Williams. They can get Langford. Like that, the, the the cupboard's still like you know being full, filled. Like it, yeah. it's, it's it was insane. when they 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 frisked fucking uh, Billy King and yeah the, and the Nets, Nets man. I don't necessarily blame them at the time. Like getting no, those right. guys, like it made sense, you know. Like yeah. especially with a new like Russian owner, you know, you wanted to kind of start off, especially changing to Brooklyn on like a hot yeah, yeah, note. Yeah, yeah. The and problem with Lopez that though, got injured, no, because Prokhorov came back the next season and said, "I don't want to pay above the luxury tax anymore," so they had to offload everybody and start yeah. from scratch without having having any assets whatsoever. Yeah, but wild. going back the trade, it wasn't like that bad. But again, it turned out mm-hmm. to be what they got: uh, Marcus Smart, I think. They got Jalen Brown and they got Jason Tatum. Yeah, it's crazy. It's and Terry crazy. Rozier, scary fucking Terry Rozier, man. Scary Terry. Is that guy a starting caliber point guard or what? For wow. real. And I actually wonder next year with Boston how if they'll be able to, like they're gonna have to play different. The, those guys, Hayward and Irving, they don't defend like. Like, this. what if they go to the no, finals? They don't, they don't defend like no. that. What if Boston goes to the finals on the backs of Jason Tatum, Terry Rozier, and Jalen Brown? And they have this, I wouldn't say propped up ego, but this confidence in themselves There's that they no can carry they can, this team. I promise them. But coming back, let's say hypothetically speaking. They, they, they did play them well. I look, the I look at the guys that Boston have, and it just looks like they have a blank slate, nothing to lose. Like they don't care about yeah. next year. So, they so, don't care about two years no from now. Listen, going no to, baggage, exactly. Like yeah. there's no drama, no, no outside side stories. It's just we're here to ball. We're here to play for a uh, coach, and we're here to win games. For each other, yeah. yeah but going back to the point exactly. I was making originally, okay, so coming back in next season, let's say Cleveland gets swept or something, they lose in five, Boston goes to the finals and they play the Golden State Warriors. I'm not saying they're going to beat the Golden State Warriors. I'm just saying what comes to the... They what happens, matched up well. What happens to the locker room dynamic come next season when you have Jalen Brown, you know, Terry Rozier, and Jason Tatum playing in the NBA Finals, carrying this team to the promise. And now you're session. coming off the bench or whatever. Exactly. I, no, yeah, do, I do totally these, agree. Do these, yeah, do these but, guys come, on the, come off the bench or do but, they... Well, you got to think... But, Irving, Hayward, Tatum, and Brown play the same position. But Brandon, how about this? How about, do you even need Irving? I mean... Uh, okay, that, do that's you like even the, need that, Hayward. Do you need that is Hayward a hot Anner. take. That is a hot take. No, right but there, do you need friend. both of them? Because I would argue maybe you trade one of them. Let's say it's it's Hayward. Okay, trade Hayward with one of these other young guys and bring in Kawhi. Yo, Danny Ainge is already figuring it out right now. He's like, yo, these I don't need these guys. I don't like these guys have stepped up. They filled shoes. Yeah, right? why, am I, paying all this, only, why yeah. am I paying all this big money to these that, guys that are you know? This is Celtics that, roster. I think kind of concerns me is that you saw it with the Oklahoma City Thunder was that like as, as soon as they started seeing that third, fourth guy emerging as a superstar, they traded him. That was James Harden, right? Yeah. Similar situation with Celtics. You you see them down the road, you but know, realistically having to trade Tatum or Brown to kind no, of like. The, but at OKC yeah. they had guys coming up at different positions, right? So they had the point guard and Russ. They had the okay. shooting guard in James Harden. They had the three in Durant. They had the four in Ibaka, and then they had the five in Steve. So all these guys are at different positions. Why are you trading them? That was so like foolish. in Boston. Like I think of that know, all the time. They're at the same position, right? So Tatum and Jalen Brown are pretty much similar with with Hayward, um, Irving and Rozier are the same point guard. Yeah. Slash combo. No, all combo. those guys can't. can't I I like Jalen Brown, but I think 
like from what I've seen of Jason Tatum this year, and like based on what I've been hearing from the locker room and the players talking about him, Jason Tatum has the upside to be a top five player in the NBA, in my opinion. Like he's that goddamn good. Like he should have been a lock to go number one. Apparently, when Boston had the number one pick, they were even talking about taking Jason Tatum number one over Markel Fultz and Lonzo Ball at the time. Wow, wow. This kid is a revelation. Like, gotta think, man. How like did Lonzo rookie. Ball get drafted at second? Because hype. the LA media, man. This is what I was saying. Like, all this hype up around them. It was so, it was so stupid. Wow. I wasn't a big Lonzo Ball guy in the draft. No, but I think we bought is... you and You and I weren't big Lonzo Ball guys, but I think we came to the consensus kind of dis- like uh, understanding that, you know, he said he's hype. No, it's, okay. his passing, it's branding. It's his passing is, is, is elite. Yeah, yeah. He's, no, a, he's an amazing passer, but he's, he's very thin. His jump shot isn't down. Um, and the expectations were way too overblown. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Boston, man, Boston. I still think Cleveland's gonna win. I still think Cleveland's gonna win. Cleveland in uh, seven at this point. Yes, I, I still think that. I got Boston in five. In five, okay. Yeah. I got Cleveland in seven. I want to say six, but I, I can't. I can't. I can't go against LeBron, man. I can't. No, but do you see how easily he was able to put it down in the first there? He got like, hit, he got knocked out a little bit when he when he uh, took a shot to his jaw. Yeah, yeah. But he came when he chooses to, he he could put it down on the Celtics. He's oh. not scared of the Celtics. No. But like Cleveland nobody. making adjustments so like he started Tristan Thompson at center, you know, in game two. Like what other adjustments and they didn't play Jordan Clarkson at all in game two as well. Like what kind of like additional adjustments do they need to make to beat Boston? Or can they make? You know, I, this is like it ha- it's a one-man show. LeBron James, maybe Kevin Love's occasionally there, but defense, man, like, just like rotating. And I, and I think the key for Cleveland is to just match the intensity, match the attack level that Boston yeah. is throwing out there. Because if Boston is just gonna come at you like a hound dog, and you're just gonna be a, a, a sore puppy, yeah. you're gonna get beat every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you gotta come out like aggressive, like like we need to take names right now. Yeah, they they with the same intensity that they play with when they played uh, when they played Golden State. Well, maybe yeah, it's the exactly. impact of having all these vets and maybe all these egos in the locker room. Maybe what makes Celtics so great is how young young and fresh that team is and there's no egos in the locker room no for sure no, where's yeah. my shot you know like Jared Smith I wouldn't say Kyle Corbin necessarily but there's a lot of guys on that bench who do seem kind of dog I don't think that's a, a factor yeah. right now though like right now like I think guys know what's at, what's at like stake Ron- and what's on the line well Ronnie Hood though like what like two yeah, three that, games oh, ago yeah. refused to come off the bench no you're right that guy, is, that guy fucked up um, alright moving to the Western Conference in one second guys here's some more We are back talking about the Western Conference in the fourth quarter. Game two obviously has started right now. Houston Rockets and the Warriors. What's the score, guys? Any scores? No? Don't ruin it. I'm recording it. <laughs> um, no, no, no. no. It hasn't so started yet. Obviously, it started, it hasn't started. start the season, coming in the playoffs, and even now, the Golden State Warriors are still the favorite to win the NBA championship. Um, do you think Houston has a shot? It doesn't look like it. Doesn't look like. Let's it, be though. rational here. Let's be fucking completely goddamn rational. Does Houston Rockets have a realistic shot of being the Golden State Warriors in a seven-game series? The Rockets might. James Harden alone doesn't. Yeah, and that's a, that's the thing, right? So it's like a whole bunch of iso ball. 
I was listening to one of the commentators during the first game, and they were saying that Golden State averaged the most passes per game during the regular season. Mm-hmm. Houston averaged the least amount of passes. How is that possible, right? And when you break it down, it's James Harden, dribble, 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 mm-hmm. or Chris Paul, dribble, 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 dribble. Yeah. And I mean, it's great for highlights, but you know, there's only so much dribbling that you can do before you get exposed. So going in with that, Javon, so Clint Capella made a statement today. He said the Rockets should lessen isolation. He said, we're just out here waiting on Harden and Chris Paul to make decisions. This is what they do. This is what they've been doing all season long. So it's so it's something that is harder to do right now. Maybe we're going to have to be more aware of the weak side, maybe use flares to get guys open, to get more movement, so all the focus won't be on the guys on the weak side. Exactly, and he's right. But at the same time, it's like, how do you make these adjustments so deep into the season? Like, even if you call sets, the guys who are the primary ball handlers aren't accustomed to, you know, maybe running those sets mm-hmm. or maybe doing this at this point in the game. And it's just foreign to these guys at this point. And I mean, you know, this has been James Harden's issue for his whole entire career. Like in the playoffs, like this ISO ball bullshit doesn't work. Well, it's the problem right? with the roster's construction, like the roster construction of the Rockets, rather. You know, I think this team, I think Maury went out and designed this team specifically to be able to beat the Golden State Warriors. But once it doesn't go well, they don't have any con- contingency plan yeah. beyond what they're doing right but now. But like, plan A or bust. You know, I love this, like, oh yeah, like we're so based on, on analytics, you know, like the three ball or whatever. The Golden State Warriors shoot more mid range shots than anyone, yeah, right? It's, it's than anyone. Yeah. What what happened to that? Yeah, so what's up with that, right? And also, like, the analytics, like, how does Harden factor into your analytics? Like, he's not, you know what I mean? That, like, he's a one on one. Well, I think, I think, build this team through the wonders of math. I think it more comes down to there's certain guys in the NBA, regardless of what analytics you apply, regardless of what kind of strategy you apply on a nightly basis, no matter how forward thinking you are as a coach or a tactician, Mm -hmm. there's always guys, outliers in the NBA, guys like Kevin Durant, who just can play in any situation regardless of what you're trying to do defensively yeah. or offensively yeah. and I think that's the biggest and he can guard any position yeah like at any given time like, it's realistically like you could talk about PJ Tucker Luka Buamute you know Clint Capella you know defenders guys that could potentially on paper guard Kevin Durant but it's a similar situation with the Raptors and LeBron James Kevin no Durant, one's gonna guard Kevin Durant Kevin Durant when push comes to shove basketball he ruined basketball <laughs> by doing what he did I'm sorry that team isn't fair it's not fair and the scariest part is it's like you know throughout the regular season like they had hiccup after hiccup. This guy got suspended. This guy got a flagrant. This guy's having issues. This guy's so doing that. So there was that. hope. It seemed like there was hope. And they still won 58 games. Yeah, there was never any hope. What the hell? Like, the Raptors had to literally have the best season. Everything go right. Everybody on the team had to have the best season of their careers for them to win 59 games. Mm-hmm. Golden State had to have their worst season in the past five years, let's and, say. And they're, like, super emotionally, like, to uninvested, too. Yeah, yeah. Like, sometimes just, like, not giving a shit and getting, like, ejected. Hey, can I tell you, Draymond Green's a friggin' idiot, man. I, 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 like, I understand intensity, but he just acts like a doofus. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it's too much sometimes, really. Like what, Greg, what do you think of, like, Steve Kerr? Like, whenever you see, you know, Draymond act like an asshole on the court regardless of the right or wrong situation he goes to the sideline and Steve Kerr is always like clapping and like you know applauding hey man this is a guy that played with Dennis Rodman and he knows things that I don't know 
Okay, and, and like a bottom line is Draymond Green's giving you the the results on the court. If that's what he needs to get going, mm-hmm. yeah. and sometimes like with those guys, there is no like you, there is no middle ground. Like there is no hey, you know, tailor it back. It's like no, no, no. Like I go when I play, I yeah. play, and you want this them, is what you get. Yeah, and you don't want them thinking too much out there. Well, like the value of unleashing his, his his personality though, like you said with Dennis Rodman, like maybe Kerr knows like the value of a guy like that on you know a superstar team. Like and this oh, yeah. is this, this is Draymond Green right here, okay. Nine rebounds, nine assists, five points, one of five field goals. Like he, but he's did, energy though. He's the glue. He's the, the energy the, guy. Like, like nine, nine assists and nine rebounds is glue. You know, I was like That's watching the other game. Yeah, yeah, the, uh, yeah, the, yeah. The March Madness game, Michigan State and uh, Butler. Gordon Hayward and uh, oh yeah, okay. And same thing, same thing with Draymond. Like Tom Izzo kind of embellished the same sort of coaching tactic that J- Steve Kerr had on the sideline, where he was more or less kind of supporting that behavior on the court, right? Yeah. Um, any predictions for tonight? I think Houston has to. Houston has to come out with. Uh, Houston's good enough to take one of their two home games against them. Mm-hmm. Uh, like if they're, you know what? And if Houston loses this series, look for LBJ to make a move down south, down Houston way. I don't think. I don't think LeBron James goes to the Western Conference. Really? I don't think, think he goes so. so but I think he a... only has one team to go to in the East. Where is that? Philly. I mean, if you well, okay. If we're assuming he's going places to win championships, <laughs> he's not going to Boston. Eh? <laughs> no, well, with Kyrie, right? I think he yeah, goes exactly. to a spot that expands his legacy, not on the court, but, that's but beyond the court, right? Well, but what do you mean? What legacy? You mean money? You want to think money? Yeah. Okay, um, then, then then go to L.A. But I don't. Yeah, think he wins. yeah. Like L.A. or New York come to mind. Like I think of like Kevin Durant, New for York. example. And if Kawhi goes to New York, does LeBron James go to well, New York? Yeah, I, well, I, Kevin, I think he'll be on that level of tra- He likes to do things that people don't think he's going to do. Yeah, like who thought he was going to Miami? Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you very much for t- tuning in, guys. Any last words? I got uh, Golden State winning this series in five. I got Golden State winning in five as well. Six. Golden the contrarian himself, Greg, your shot is. I'd like to, God, to. I just want to see some competitive basketball. And you know what? Can, can like, Grant ruined basketball for me. Harden and Chris Paul have two magical games in their sleeves. D- no, or in does, their I don't know about Chris Paul anymore, man. You don't think so? Yeah. I think he does with the help of James Harden. I hope so. We hope so. We'll see what happens. Um, Ghost of Ryan Anderson would help too. Yeah, My, what happened to him? He's injured. Done for the year. I think he's just falling off, man. My my prediction is that Houston's is going to take one game through the on the back of Gerald Green. I don't know why he's going to get hot. He's going to drop like thirty five points, and Houston's going to win one game this year. He's going to get into a fight with Draymond Green, and both of them are going to get double technicals kicked out, and then Golden State's fucked. God, I hope so. All right, guys, thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next week with another podcast, Podcast Forty Seven. Again, you can catch us on iTunes, Stitcher, etc. Um, have a fantastic week, and. Enjoy the beautiful weather, Toronto. Hello, fam. Hello, fam. You